Welcome everybody to Dinging Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Slab Stocks. I'm your host Nate, and today we are going to continue our interview series with Miles Borgraf, a chef and owner of Birch and Butcher Restaurant in downtown Milwaukee. Um, a nice little spot. We'll talk to him today about his career, his background in cards, um, his personal collection, uh, what he can get from his career, and loop into cards. Um, so we had a very nice conversation, quite a long conversation, so I hope you're in it for a long interview. Um, you'll learn, you should learn a little bit about, uh, you know, he was in cards from a while ago. We talk a little bit about that. And then you'll learn uh, quite a bit about the restaurant industry and how it connects to cards. So I hope you all enjoy this. And uh, uh, please sit back and enjoy my conversation with Miles Borgraf, chef and owner of The Butch and Butcher. Hey everybody! I'm here with Miles Borgraf. 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 Yep. Uh, yep. He is the chef and owner of Birch and Butcher, a nice restaurant uh, downtown Milwaukee on North Water. Yep, North Water Street. Yeah, North Water. Um, formerly the uh, head chef or the uh, chef de cuisine is the yeah 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 yeah. Uh, of Lake Park Bistro, which is a nice French restaurant in downtown Milwaukee, a beautiful location. I've uh, been there a number, number of times, probably one of the best French restaurants in Milwaukee, and if not the Midwest. Yeah. Um, so very excited to have you on, Miles. Uh, this is uh, cooking is cooking and, you know, thinking about food is one of my secret passions that I really enjoy. So I'm very excited about this interview. Uh, Miles, tell us, I, I already gave you a little bit of an introduction, but tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, um, where you come from, what your background in, is in cards, and the whole nine yards. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah, my name is Miles, and I'm a chef owner of Birch and Butcher in downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, we've been open for two and a half years. And uh, more importantly, I've been ripping cards for a really long time. And uh, I'm 35 years old, so I think like a lot of people around my age. Old man. Uh, yeah, there's, there was a heyday for us, you know, or, or whether that's now or whether that was like in the early 90s. Um, you know, we were ripping tons of cards uh, during the junk era. And, and so that's really where it all started. And I was lucky enough to be a Bulls fan. So, Ooh. yeah, I, like my family is from... Illinois and I, I was born in Chicago and I was lucky enough to be a Bulls fan and ripping wax even though it was junk wax in like the most ultimate era of opening cards so that was really where it all started and then obviously um, when 2011 hit and people saw what the heck was going on with Mike Trout card um, it was reason enough to like get back into the hobby and uh, start opening cards and then you realize it's you know just as fun as it was uh, 20 years ago and and that's the exciting part and I collect mainly for uh, PC so like it's all just like buying and selling to get the mm -hmm. cars I want and it's just a it's an exciting hobby um, more so than it was 20 years ago because now it's worth like you know a lot of a lot of money and a million can, more dollars can, yeah exactly million. You know, a million like, is a really big undersell there but you, get I, you know I, it's it's not even that like 
yeah, it was junk 20 years ago, but like it, the cult, the, the hobby has changed so much more that it, it's, it's not the same as it used to be, but it's still equally as exciting opening up those packs and finding out the cards that you want, whether they're a thousand bucks or like a dollar. Yeah. You know, equally exciting, but also, you know, probably a little bit more stressful because nowadays you get a box of uh, yeah. prison basketball yeah. for yeah. $700 and you might pull $10 of cards out. Whereas back I was, when you were opening yeah. in maybe when you were 10 in 1995, uh, you might get a box for what? 10 bucks. Yeah. And I was too young. Like I remember, I remember when upper deck SP came out. And I was too young at the time. I mean, I, I was like, I think I was old enough to understand the value in it, but I don't remember if there was high-end boxes back then. I don't even know. Like, I don't remember. You know, you were chasing, like, Griffey rookies and, like, you know, cards like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know if there was high-end, but absolutely, you're right. There's a serious, uh, you know, shall we say, gambling element uh, to cars nowadays. But I think, just like any other hobby, you know, if you look at it as such, if you look at it in the sense of, yeah, there is a definite gamble to it. Um, yeah, it's still fun. Yeah, it's very fun. Just, just as fun as like going to the roulette table, you know, it's like the same, it's the same odds. You know, the roulette table and put yeah. whatever, black bean or something. And I like, would say that you are always walking away with something though. That's the best part. I think that's the best part, right? Is like, you never leave empty handed and whether or not you're going for a dollar card or you know, in a lot of our instances, you know, personal collecting, um, you know, my, my favorite cards are, are worth, you know, 10, five, seven, eight, $12, that sort of thing. So I'm happy. Yep. Um, I'm happy opening. Uh, you, you and me both. Uh, most of my favorite cards are uh, Kansas Jayhawk players that usually aren't very good. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I, I mean, I'll tell you, I, I wish we were on video. I, I I brought some of my my PC out just to talk about and show, but like like I have I have a, a Jeanette Lee and Allison Fish. Like there are two cards. It's like Jeanette Lee uh, on card from like 2018 Alan Ginter, and then I have Allison Fisher autograph from Upper Deck. And like back to 20 years ago like I grew up watching these two women shoot pool on ESPN afternoon 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 after afternoon for years uh, and now I got their autographs and it is just as awesome as it was 20 years ago so like that's what I collect for hmm. uh, I can I can appreciate that the uh, the not always in it for the top dollar but in it yeah for just I did rip I did I mean I I don't know. It was at Brewtown Trading in Milwaukee, but I also did pull like a red Vlad the other day out of Heritage. So like, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say that like, you know, it's all about $12 cars because I really like to get those monsters too. But yeah, uh, you know, it's all in fun. Who, who doesn't? And yes, you know, speaking of a gambling aspect, a thing we should point out is that your $10 of cards today you have yes. no idea what the price is going to be down the road. I mean, you could have probably bought Prism Giannis rookies back in 2013 for mm. 25 cents. Now, yeah, non-graded, they're going for $800. It's a wild ride. Yeah, you're right. And like that's that's the second that's the second portion of gamble, right? Is like 
you know, I was telling you before we went live, I got a PSA order in today and, um, you know, they definitely shipped it to me. So that's all good sign for everything that's going down. But mm-hmm. besides the point, I got a PSA and I got a 10 Zion. Like, what do I do with that thing? That card is already extremely expensive. But like you said, you know, seven, eight, nine years from now, look what happened to the Giannis card. Look, look what's happening to, you know, the LeBron out of that first year prism. It's crazy things going on right now. Yeah. And that's why, and, and I think I'm pretty sure from talks we've had with people, I can't get into too many of them, but talks we've had with people around the industry that are like silent investors. Yeah. People that are silent card collectors. Yeah. um, That's the ability for this to become mainstream is probably pretty high. You know, I don't disagree. Yeah. I don't disagree. Yeah. If it becomes mainstream, your, you know, $800 iron might seem like a lot right now, but if it becomes mainstream and you get some real big name people into this, uh, mm-hmm. more so than just Gary V, uh, you're going to be looking at, you know, $2,000 by next year. Yeah, it's a, it's, by a, two years down the line. it's a wild ride. But then, I mean, the, the gamble in the game is like, I don't hate and I love Zion Williamson, but like, it could be Greg Oden too, right? Like, that's the... Well, that's the gamble. I do that's think, the final ride. I do think we're past Greg Oden at this point because he's already yeah, and, shown and I don't where he's like. I'm not one of the I'm not one of the hater comp guys either. Like I'm not like I remember, you know, when we were all ripping those cards out of packs, you know, you'd get people hating talking about, oh, Greg Oden this and Greg Oden that. And yep. I agree with you. I agree with you. We are beyond that point. Uh the guy is a beast. But you don't know. That's the game, right? That's the thing. That like, is the game, though. You know, I, I love looking at, you look at, like, uh, Facebook, and you can, like, roll back. And uh, I was looking at people who were selling, uh, it was, two, uh, what about 2016? It was th- people who were selling two Tatis Jr. Bowman's on Facebook. And they were, like, moving these cards for, like, 60 bucks a pop. And, oh. you know, like, the the blue was, like, 80 bucks. And you just look at that, and, like, you don't even know. Like, because now, you know, yeah. Tatis Bowman first is is one of the one of the best ones to have. And uh, back then, you're just moving those cards like we all are for 50, 60 bucks. Yep. And, the, you know, the crazy thing is, is that uh, the White Sox didn't even know because they gave them up for James Shields. I mean, Old yeah, James I know. Shields. I know. I know. I know. And but you're then, a White Sox fan. I'm a White Sox fan. Yes, absolutely right. But then my, my contingency plan to that bad deal is uh, Eloy. And uh, Jose Quintana was the Eloy deal. And like, yeah, that's true. That, that worked out. So we made out in that deal and we did give away Tatis. So like, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully Eloy rates. That's the game plan. Imagine being the Cubs and having given away Gliber Torres and Eloy for a year with all this chat. But here's, the, here's, I'm not a Cubs fan at all. But if you were to tell me, as a White Sox fan, like, all right, right now, you got to trade. Like, Yon is my guy. I love Eloy. Like, I love the team. Obviously, Luis Robert. If you told me, like, you got to trade two of those three guys and you get a World Series this year, I would do it. That's, that's well, the... Of course. I know. But that's the dilemma. And that's what the Cubs did. They traded their future for a World Series and they won. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Good point. But, like, now... but. I don't know, but then the Cubs game plan, they wanted to like win world series for years to come and stuff. So, you know, as a fan, 
I don't know. I had a World Series in 2005. Nice, nice brag there, Miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I I know what it's like. Uh, I know what it's like to like win a World Series as a fan. So I, I mean, as a, like looking at the Cubs, yeah, heck yeah. Like I would trade the future. I would trade Glabar. I would trade Eloy for a World Series. I don't blame him. Yeah. Even though, even though I don't know if either of those trades actually got them over the hump. Uh, even though, like, I, I mean, Chapman definitely, I don't know, thinking back and like now that, you know, they're replaying those games on the radio and stuff and, and hearing those games. Yeah, Cause there's nothing else to watch. Chapman did dominate, like, even though he was misused hardcore in those playoffs. It's crazy how Chapman is just still so good. Usually, you know, relievers outside of Mariano Rivera and like Trevor Hoffman and stuff. Uh, recently relievers are good for year, two years, three years, four years, and then eventually they fall off the map. Craig Kimbrell was good for a long time, and then he has been trending in the wrong direction the last couple years. Uh, Guys just don't keep it up, but Aroldis Chapman has kept it up for years and years and years. Chapman was a 2011 rookie, too. I saw some friends of mine were ripping 2011 tops going for trouts the other day, and they came up empty. They came up empty, but they did did hit a sweet Aroldis Chapman rookie auto out of uh one of their packs oh nice that's cool yeah yeah so it was like a, a fair uh consolation prize for him yeah all right miles uh shifting into your career here um yeah from cards we're gonna we're gonna, for everyone that's listening we're gonna bring it back around to cards but bear with us i want to in, yeah. in this series i want to talk to professionals in their industries and get to learn their industry a little bit so we can all learn something new and then along with that learn about i will uh yeah so this segues into a sweet story about how i pc cincinnati reds too so it'll uh it'll come full circle twice but um yeah so i don't know i just uh was a cook at a real young age as far as career paths go and uh it was an opportunity to be able to express myself and be able to be creative um but also without the confines and the structure of, uh, I don't know, formal, formal education, which I wasn't ever very good at um, when I was younger. So it always seemed like a career path for me. And now, did, uh, you, did you go to culinary school? I, I didn't. Um, I didn't go to culinary school, but I was fortunate to work uh, for great people um, throughout the United States. Throughout the United States and then and then in Europe, I, I just always wanted the opportunity to learn more and educate myself, and um, I would basically like source out that type of experience and I education a, and and I um, yeah. Um, so in baseball, right? Kid switches over to pitching late in his career, like a uh, like uh, uh, what's his name on the. Josiah Gray. Oh, yeah. On the Dodgers. Switched over to pitching late in his college career. Didn't really have any experience. Was pretty much a blank slate. Right? Blank slate that the Dodgers could then mold because he had no bad tendencies because he never Mm -hmm. pitched. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't have years and years and years and years of bad tendencies that they have to work through. Yeah. Uh, Blank slate. So – Along the same vein, would you say that you being a blank slate, having not had culinary school and being taught the same basics as everyone else and just learning from chefs along the way, you think that's a good thing? I, I feel I, like that's I, probably a good thing. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do think it's a good thing. I also think different strokes for different folks, too. I mean, people all learn differently. Um, but for me, it was, a, it, was a, it was a hands-on approach and a repetitive approach. So uh, as opposed to schooling where you may spend, you know, a couple days working on one subject and then move on to the next, you know, my goal was to spend, um, you know, months, if not years, perfecting techniques uh, mm -hmm. and recipes and such. So by, by going to, you know, by sourcing, you know, my education through employment or, you know, throughout travel, uh, I was really able to like focus and hone on what I wanted to learn. Um, I still have mentors and I still have people who taught me a great deal. Um, but to your point, yeah, I think that's a little bit of it is that I don't necessarily fall into a, a specific style or, um, you know, in our, in our world, just like a lot of other businesses, you know, coaching trees is another, is a good example in sports, right? Is like, you can see like, uh, the Andy Reed coaching tree and you see all these people who have like Andy Reed tendencies in their, in their coaching style where mm -hmm. like, I definitely take bits and pieces of things I learned throughout the way. Um, but I don't necessarily have, um, pedigree is the wrong word, but like, I, I don't have, uh, I, I don't have like a formal education from one specific place, um, yeah. like you're describing. So yeah, I think you definitely have pedigree at this point. Yeah, you're right. And that's, that's the wrong word, but yeah, it, like my, my education and, everything I've taken and uh, um, been able to learn throughout the years, I've been able to put together and create my own style. Yep. Um, I like that. And yeah, and as far as the Cincinnati Reds go, um, so like we, we do catering in the restaurants and you know, nine times out of 10, I, I'd say more frequently than 90%, but most often it's, it's uh, you know, a wedding or a, a buffet or uh, some sort of celebration, gathering, work lunches, that sort of thing, your typical catering event. Um, but several years ago, I got a call from um, what, whoever it would have been, it was the MLB player rep dietitian for the Cincinnati Reds. And, and she was like, you know, the Reds travel and you know, they're, they're bored of eating the same old thing and, and this and that. And I started to cater for the Cincinnati Reds every time they came to Milwaukee. And uh, it would be like, you know, certain days it would be like dinner and, and, and breakfast, you know, if they came in in the afternoon or other, others, it would be a lunch and a, or a breakfast and a late lunch because they had to travel. But basically, uh, the Cincinnati Reds have paid me personally more amounts of money than any other Major League Baseball team combined. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have a personal allegiance to the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, in, in turn, I uh, like uh, PC and Cincinnati red cards, basically. Hey, I mean, I'm sure you have. If you don't mind me asking, how many reds have you met? In I person? mean, I met. So I've I've met. Yeah, I've met. I probably met half the team. I try to like. I I try to be like super cool about it. Um, <laughs> uh, I Joey Vada was on the DL, and I told him to get well soon. That was like a highlight of my uh, of my catering experiences with the Cincinnati Reds. Um, and I, I forget, like there was another little piece of knowledge I dropped to him. Uh, but those are my tie-ins. Yeah. Basically like Joey Votto. And then, um, I, what that actually led to me catering for other major league baseball teams, um, which is pretty cool, but yeah. the Reds still, uh, are number one in my pocketbook and in my heart. heart. Yep. Um, yeah. how many, how many major league teams would you say you've catered for then? 
I, I've catered for six. Uh, Dodgers, Astros, Cubs, Reds, Pirates, and there's one I'm forgetting. The irony of the situation, though, is I've never catered for the Brewers, um, which wow. is just – which is crazy because I do all this catering at Miller Park. Um, so, huh. like, I go in there. You know, I, I say what up to the, the Miller Park clubhouse attendant. He's a cool guy. We chat. We always talk about uh, catering for them, but it just for whatever reason uh, never comes about. But I also think that uh, being the home team, they set their catering schedule for the entire year. Yeah. And uh, like they are, they have very strong allegiances with sponsors and stuff. So I think that's a little bit of how that works, but you never know. Also, do you think you'd want to cater? Because that's 81 games. That's a lot. You know what? You're, you're absolutely. Catering other. You are right. You are right. And that question has arose, but like cash is green, Nate. So That's like, true. you know what I mean? Like cash is green. And uh, I figure that if someone wants to buy something from me, whether that's like you as a person, you know, the, the office building down the street or the Milwaukee Brewers, if you want to buy something from me 81 times a year, I'm grateful. That's true. That's a good you know, way to think about it. I'll, I'll, fi I'll find a way to make sure – I get it to you, but you know, all that said, yeah, it's probably a pain in the ass. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Birch, Birch and Butcher. Uh, yep. I was reading an article beforehand and uh, I was always wondered about the name. Yeah. Like where, where does that come from? And it turns out yeah, there's yeah. Birch trees outside of yep. your restaurant yep. and you I'm are you, a butcher shop. Yep. I'm glad you put all that together. And, uh, um, the name was like, I don't know. We planned the restaurant for two years before we actually opened the door. We, it took us a year to actually construct the restaurant. So we had a tremendous amount of time prior to opening to, to talk about a name and to, to think about a name. And the move was, or the exercise was, is we would, we would, we would call it the name and then we would treat it as its name indefinitely until it tasted bad or, you know, or sounded bad. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there was just probably hundreds of names that we called this place, you know, some, some lasting like two hours before we realized <laughs> it, was, it was a bad idea and others, others like getting two weeks in before we realized like, nah, we got to get rid of it. And, um, Birch and Butcher was just, it, it was, it was honestly kind of a, I, I, w I wanted to be able to tell you there was like even greater inspiration to it or like it had something to do with my grandma or something like that. But like, nah, it really didn't. It just, it, it was a name. It stuck. Sounded nice. The tie-ins kept falling in after we, we, we came up with the name. Um, we're like, oh yeah, wow. There's a bunch of birch trees in the front yard, you know? And uh, pieces, you know, then we realized, oh, all the construction, like our elaborate wood ceiling we have in the restaurant is all made out of, of birch. So a lot of, a lot of those elements started falling into place after we called it the name and mm -hmm. it just sounded nice and it, and it still sounds nice. So well, um, I, I yeah. gotta say it's, it's simple. It rolls yeah. off the tongue. It's yep. uh, alliteration, kind of, because B yep. and B. Yep, uh, that's it. And also, you know, your big thing is open hearth cooking, right? Yep. And the birch kind of, not that you probably use birch wood, Yep. but it plays into it, and it gives the, that feel of... Uh, that's how... Yeah, so we don't burn birch wood. We burn... We burn primarily oak, but we use other kind of, you know, fancy woods too when, when time calls for it. Yeah, but that was, 
so we were sitting around and had kind of having a think tank and, and the question was what kind of wood are you using and, and i thought they were talking about construction i was like oh yeah this it's built with birch or it was birch and they were asked they were specifically asking about burning so to your point the name birch kind of came about because uh this little think tank we were having they thought we were using birch wood to burn um oh. so the, so the initial when the idea first came out we're like oh no that's not it because no we're not using birch wood but then like i said as as time went by uh, as we kept calling it as we kept finding other similarities between the name and and the actual restaurant it just kept sounding good okay sometimes it works out yep um so you want to could you explain to our listeners a little bit about what Birch and Butcher does? I read up on it quite a bit. I yep. plan on visiting when this quarantine gets done because and I'm yep. very excited. I am very yep. excited to visit. You have no idea. I mean, I'm excited to I'm I'm excited to go to the gas station nowadays, so I can only imagine how excited, you know. I, and like I said, I'm excited to do anything nowadays. So yeah, going out to eat is like uh, you know, it's not going to get much better than that with the times we're living in right now. Yeah. Um, but the restaurant itself is, um, we do a tremendous amount of open hearth cooking. And, you know, for what, what that is, a little more specific is basically just a big rustic live fire. Um, and it's not necessarily an oven, so to speak, in terms that it's covered on all sides, but it's just this big open fire. And we do a heck of a lot of grilling and smoking and charring and, and all, all the above. Um, and honestly, putting an emphasis on, on vegetables and such, because uh yeah sure that we're gonna make the piece you've ever had um but i think it's important to give that same kind of energy and and love into vegetables and other dishes and things that aren't necessarily so uh obvious so to speak um but we're open breakfast lunch and dinner well i guess when it's not in quarantine for crying out loud but we're open we're open your ordinary day we're open breakfast lunch and dinner we do brunch on the weekends um, breakfast and lunch throughout the weekday is pretty casual in the sense it's got this coffee shop vibe to it where you're at the counter, you get sandwiches, coffees, pastries, what have you, uh, and kind of relax. But then in the evening and uh, brunch on the weekends, it, it turns into that full service, um, you know, where we, we take care of you and, and, and wait on you and, and that kind of whole shebang. Yeah, give give somebody a, a uh, entertainment value along with their exactly, exactly. meal. Um, now is this hearth or, you know, your, your fire, is it centrally located so people can wash their food when cooked? Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. So, uh, those who are in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you, you can, and when the fire is lit, you can see it from the street. Um, we have got real big, nice, uh, tall windows in the front of the restaurant and, and the hearth is like dead center on the restaurant. So, um, it's it's a focal point and uh in fact and we talked about this before nate um in fact we have a what we call like a kitchen table and it's uh it's four spots that sit directly uh in front of all the cooks and and the, and the oven itself and the hearth itself and it's this it's this real cool intimate experience where you're kind of you're in the kitchen working with uh all of us and and there's a there's dialogue and and we're going back and forth and, and kind of uh, giving you a, an extended experience on, on what it's like to, to be right next to the open kitchen. But um, what we talked about, and I think is cool, is one of these days, you and I are going to rip some boxes of baseball cards in oh, yeah. there. Um, 
because it is just it's it's a fun setting for that and it's like you know we'll sit there we'll eat some cheeseburgers or what have you and uh we'll, we'll open up some guards yeah i cannot wait uh number yeah. one i love there's two things i love in this world that i know for a fact yep eating food yep and rip and wax and rip and wax yep those are two of my favorite things i've been craving ripping wax lately and i just can't get my hands on any in eau claire without having ah, to dip it and i don't want I to i don't I want to you know buy it and then wait for like six days it's such a it's such a strange time i know what you mean i i, I i've been in that same dilemma too and i've just been like i've been i've been continuing to sell and continuing to buy for pc but definitely with a a sort of reluctancy um just because like you know the future of baseball cards is a wild ride to begin with and then mm -hmm. you know with with this whatever cloud of coronavirus who the heck knows but um i don't know it's awesome for buying pc right now i'll tell you that yeah these these times are nice and prices are low and um you some know, prices are low some prices some, are rising back up i know i know you're absolutely right about that but i, I honestly like if there's ever a time to buy 2011 trout it's now it's like that's what i'm thinking hey like, uh there was a couple that were selling for the like in the 1500s they're back up into like the 1750s now uh, okay i see i saw someone there were some nines out there like a thousand close to 700 750 some bgs's mm -hmm. like i mean like i said now oh, yeah i was talking I was talking PSA 10s for those of you listening in here. Yeah, I, we uh, are I on Slack, so, so it makes sense to me. No, I, I'm not. A, I don't want. I'm not ready to make the PSA 10 trout buy yet. But like I said, I was thinking about a BGS 95. Like, like now would be the time to buy a card like that. True. And you're right. They have been selling. I, I saw a few on Facebook within the last week. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's absurd. People are not slowing down. Uh, this no. is an interesting segue. You bring up coronavirus and. Um, Obviously, you are in the restaurant business. We've yeah. had our discussion about that. And uh, you want to, like, you know, key us in. A lot of us know that, obviously, restaurants have to be, you know, struggling because of corona. But can you give us a, just a little bit more intimate look into what your day-to-day -day operations are now, just so people yeah. can understand? Because at the end of this, I was going to make a, uh, you know, a comment or a plea at the end that, hey, if you have the ability to, don't go buy lunch from McDonald's or Taco this, Bell or Burger King. Yep. Take that money, maybe spend a little bit more, and support the people in your community that have restaurants so that they can also stay open so that when we all get out of this and we're all making money again, you can still go to that restaurant. So this holds, this makes, this holds true for your LCS too. Uh, you know, or a local card shop, because yeah, n right now nothing's more important than the words you spoke. And uh, you know, an in-depth look, uh, an honest look is like um, we're no longer open for breakfast and lunch, um, and we do curbside, curbside carryout and delivery through local delivery services uh, seven days a week, five to eight p.m. Uh, we do. Uh, brunch pickup on Sunday where we do our pastries and, and sweets and you can buy a bottle of champagne and like and a, bagels uh, it bagels quart of orange juice things like that which we still do on Sunday but um, I know truth is we're running at it's about 40 percent um, 30 to 40 percent 
somewhere between there um, on our previous uh, revenues pre-corona. Mm-hmm. So like it's a big drop off. Um, and, you know, we had to cut back on hours um, for most employees. Um, and we had to apply for the SBA uh, payroll grant. Um, I mean, it's real, you know, it's a bandaid um, for when this thing ends. And I think um, maybe we're a little more fortunate than most location having a lot to do with it where um, we're able to continue to do business and we're able to continue to generate revenue. Um, and the bandaid seems to be holding for now, but I mean, all that said, when, whenever this lockdown and quarantine is over, social distancing measures are still gonna be in place for however much more to come. I mean, like we're talking months. Uh, I don't even wanna say years, but like who the heck knows, right? Who the heck knows? Because at every single point of this, for the last 35 days or whatever the heck it's been, at every single point, every piece of news I heard, I said to myself, no way, that can't be true. And then two days later, it was like exponentially worse. So. You know, I sit here and say like months and I don't know, reality is it's probably longer than that. Um, But yeah, it's a terrible scenario. And businesses like mine, businesses like Brewtown Trading, I mean, which is our LCS here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, like we we pay rent, we pay mortgages, uh, we pay employees. So, you know, there's a big trickle down effect from what the heck is going on with this stuff. And like I said, well, maybe I'm able to do business right now. And I, you know, I hate to like bring it to like a morbid point in this podcast, but like I'm able to do business right now. Like I'm a, I'm one of the fortunate few uh, who is able to generate revenue, even though it is that much less than what it used to be. Um, and we've been holding out for a month longer. Who knows? Right. I don't even know. I can't yeah. even, I, I can't mean, even speculate. We have, we have but like another month of this. Yeah, I can't even speculate, but to your point, there's never been a, a time more important than to, you know, instead of going to McDonald's, go to the restaurant, uh, the locally owned restaurant down the street. And instead of like going to whatever to buy your wax, you know, one of the big online shops, like go to your LCS or even, you know, ship. Like, I, you know, curbside pickup is too sketch for some. And I get that, like, especially older folks or like people with you know, less immune systems. But like, uh, you know, I know Brewtown ships, like they're, they're breaking for people two, three times a day. Like, I guess we got to do what we got to do. You know, the thing that, you know, back to cards, I guess, like it's a little disappointing seeing all the releases pushed back and like, who knows what will happen. You know, there was rumors that like Tops was going to combine updates or two and stuff like that. Like, um, well, there, I mean, if we don't have a baseball season, there's not going to be a series two or update because there's going to be no rookies. But then how are they going to put, where am I going to get my Luis Robert flagship? You know what I mean? Or this is the year where it's like. You're going to get it next year when he debuts. Yeah. So, you know what? Then it's going to be like Gypsy Queen. And then like, there's going to be value to Gypsy Queen or something like that. Or like opening day. I don't know. Well, there is, is there is, there is a Luis Robert in opening day right now. I know. (laughs) And like, normally when those rookies pop, you know, you like, I'd be like, I'm going to chill out and wait for flagship to come. And then, I'll, and then I'm gonna buy those and do my thing. But like, 
that might not be the case. And then like, what happens, what's going to happen next year? Are we going to like all be ripping like opening day, you know, because that's going to, that was so hot in 2020. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's not, it's as morbid as times are with business and things, you know, it's interesting and exciting to see what kind what people do and what, what comes out of this, like whether it is in the baseball card world or whether it is in the restaurant world, um, you know, people are going to get creative and there's going to be, everything's going to be different. That's for sure. Yeah. And they're going to, yeah, they're going to have to get creative and there's going to be unique products and whether that's like how I serve a chicken sandwich to go or how tops like combines S2 and update or something like that. Like um, we're all going to need to get creative over the next six months. Yeah. My biggest fear is that there's going to be a lot of people that were furloughed laid off. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll have that companies will realize that they just didn't need them in the first place. So I spoke, I spoke to my landlord today um, and I, I spoke to the landlord to my apartment building and uh, he owns, he's a big landlord. And I, and I said, okay, I know what we're feeling, you know, as tenants, as, as renters, as mortgagees, but what are you feeling? I mean, how does it feel? You know, I didn't want to say like on that, on that big level, but like, how does it feel dealing with investors and millions of dollars? And what are you guys talking about right now? And, uh, you know, he was saying he was fortunate enough that last month enough people paid rent um, where things seem to be all right. But that's his fear. He goes, what, what happens with all these people who are furloughed and laid off? And like, you know, they got their stimulus check. They paid all their bills this month. Yep. You know, what, what's going to happen next month? And, and to your point, you know, these layoffs and, and yeah, business is going to change and, and there's not going to be as many people in the workforce. And, and and what a worse situation to have a bunch of unemployed folks dumped into the market at the exact same time. Like, you know, the long-term, long-term ramifications for this is just, uh, it's crazy to think about. But I think that's my point is that is especially now more than ever, we need to get creative with business and whether that's LCS or tops or me in a restaurant right now, like we have to come up with ways to be able to give our product. I mean, people still want our products. Um, we just have to get creative with ways to deliver that. Yep. And, you know, some product, you know, as somebody who has gotten a few takeout meals in his life and, or even just going to say Culver's, right. And you yep. pick up some custard and you bring it home. If you live more than like five minutes from your Culver's, that stuff is melting already by the time you get yeah. it. Home. It's not the same experience. Um, yeah. So that's I mean, the type of thing that I'm sure you're going through. Where you're like, all right, I've got this. That's really good. Like your, your chicken that I've read is one of the best things on your menu. Yep. Uh, your spatchcocked chicken. Uh, yep. What, is there anything that you've learned or any method that you've changed now to provide, uh, you can't provide the same meal, right? No, that's impossible, your, but something similar. Yeah. yeah you're, you're, um, yeah, you have to, we had to, it was important to your point. Um, you know, I'll give you like an obvious example, you know, prior Corona, we served, um, a beef carpaccio, which is, you know, it's, it's raw beef pounded thin, uh, with sauce and garnish on top. It's an amazing dish. It's, it's a delicious dish, but it absolutely will not transfer to your house. Um, you know, similar, you know, the opposite side of the spectrum to the ice cream. By the time you get home, it's melted and whatever. Like this dish doesn't transfer. So we had to, and we actually took it. This was an exercise we did. We made our menu and our foods and, and our ideas and the things we wanted to do for the menu. 
we made them, we put them into go boxes and we waited 30 minutes and then we ate them. And, and that was, that was that, that first, our first, uh, our first test to really focus and hone what was going to be our to go menu. Um, because to your, that was the most important part is that no matter how good the dish was, no matter, I mean, it could have won awards, you know, it, magazine articles written about it, you know, mm -hmm. accolades and what have you. Like if it sat in its go box for 30 minutes and it was not as good as it was when it was first cooked, we weren't serving. Um, so our menu, you know, is, you know, I guess it's fitting if we're doing about a third of the business we were doing uh, prior to Corona, our menu is probably a third of the size uh, it was prior to that time as well. Just because, you know, when you go out to eat for a restaurant, you're going for the experience, the service to be taken care of or to be waited on, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, you got to bring value. Uh, we're not able to bring that value in a order. Like the, we don't, we can't, put that foot forward in, in anything we do right now. So we have to really make sure that quality is, I mean, it always has been and always was, but we don't have the service send to back us up. Quality yep. has to be number one and it's got to taste good after it sits in a cardboard box for 15 minutes, um, <laughs> which is crazy to think about, but yeah, like that's important piece to what we do. And I, you know, I, 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 you're not an enviable, enviable position and I do not envy you because there's not much in this world that is still just as good 15 minutes later as it is right when it's off the grill. Yeah. yeah. The I'll, um, I'll put an asterisk on that comment though. And I'll tell you that like, I have a secret, uh, like I have a secret love. It's not a secret love. I have a love for cold chicken. Like, Oh, I, I oh. love, I love cold chicken. Oh. Like I like when I, like I will. So, like I'm, I'm taking my chicken from the restaurant home for dinner. Like I'll, I'll like, I'll get done with working. I'll take a chicken home to eat. I'll eat half the chicken hot and I'll stick the other half of the chicken into the refrigerator, like with the intent purpose of eating that chicken cold, because I think I like chick cold chicken more than I like hot chicken. That uh, is by yeah. far. Yeah. The, there's the a couple more. I've I ever heard. No, there's a couple more. Like I, like I love my food ripping hot. I want it to burn my mouth, but like there's a few things like cold chicken where I, freaking love it cold or uh, cold pizza yeah so yeah exactly exactly like cold pizza not terrible <laughs> well you learn something new about people every day and yep. one of those things is that i'm pretty sure only psychopaths eat uh, cold. Hey, hey. uh so <laughs> miles hey. yeah uh my mom yeah um yeah both psychopaths Great minds she, think alike, apparently. Yeah, she just walked in, so I'm saying it loud enough for her to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, cold chicken is for uh, the geniuses amongst us. Ah, yes. I must have missed that memo. That's probably so why Nate, I'm an idiot. I want to hear, uh, while I got you on the line, um, I want to hear some, some of your slab stocks um, opinion on this coronavirus, this market, kind of like you know, you were saying that like certain cards are going back up right now, but obviously certain cards aren't. Like, I want to know your opinion and kind of like what the heck is moving the market right now because nothing else is. Honestly, I think now this is this is just from watching the card market every day. It's not like yeah. we know anything more than anybody else because nobody sure. knows nobody knows what's going to happen. I honestly think it's just people refusing. 
refusing mm-hmm. to let the market go down because they have so much money into it. Like if it, so we do eBay links every single night, right? Mm-hmm. And we uh, send the eBay links out in the morning. And so every night we go through eBay and we look at all the cards and it's been getting tougher and tougher for me to find cards to Fails. put into these eBay links because people just aren't selling. They're holding, yeah. they're being smart, which is nice because we have so many new people into this hobby. What happened just in the last two years? Yeah. What happened to what happened to the Acuna update then? Like tell tell me about like you were probably tracking that card and you saw that it was going it was like 250 bucks. Yep. And now it's 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 half of that and you know you're seeing them get short well, sale for like 130 140 right the, now. So so the Acuna did drop. The Juan yeah. Soto dropped, the Acuna dropped. Uh you'll be happy to know the Acuna is back up. Let me It is the price a little bit. It's not like back I saw, up to 250. Right? I think I saw like 160 last week and I was like, that was, that wasn't the lowest I saw. Yeah. Just wait here. Um, so one just got popped for 190 buy it now, 199 buy it now, uh, 186 plus 425 shipping on, uh, auction 188, 425 shipping auction. So, so they're back up Gary into the 190, 200 range. Is that Gary V only who did that to that? Like, how did how did that market go from two fifty to one sixty back up to two hundred dollars with nothing happening other than cards moving? I just I just think it's it's honestly I think it's people refusing to lose their money. If you have if you have say you bought a hundred Ronald Acuna PSA tens, yeah, um, for. I don't know, 130 a piece, 120 a piece, yep. something like that. And you're up to 250, you don't sell, you're holding on to it, but then you see the price is dropping back down to where you're at. You're not going to move it. Then buy, you know, a couple more at higher prices to artificially inflate your own market. Yep. And uh, you know, if enough people do that, you can keep the prices high on everything. So that's what happened. I mean, that's what happened to the 250 then. Is the guys who were selling their cards for two fifty, I mean, obviously people were paying for them at two fifty. Yep. Yeah, that's wild. And Ronald now- is one of those guys that seems like a really good long term option, where two fifty is still lower than what it's yeah. going to be at the end of his career. That's very true. But not as low as when we told everyone to buy them last summer at thirty dollars. Yeah, that's insanity, right? That's insanity, and I guess that's a credit to what you guys do and the research you put in. So, like, who are you saying to buy now? I guess that's my next question. Ooh. And I, I guess keep it in baseball only, because yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm all about like give me some Zion silvers for sure. But like, um, you know, baseball is what I enjoy. Yeah, uh, me too. Um, honestly, I'm probably buying non-graded Kestens, Chrome yeah. or uh, Update, just to buy you, Keston here. I mean, that, that's what you're buying in a clear. That's for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'd probably go after if we're talking top series one. I'm probably going after Gavin Lux more so than Jordan Alvarez. Jordan does not have the all-around skill set that people generally like. Yeah, um, he's got an amazing bat, but you know it's one of those things. I also might buy. You're gonna like this, Eloy. He's like twenty dollars yeah. a PSA ten right now. And yeah. he was really hot the second half of the year. If he can keep that up, you know, people are buying Pete Alonzo. But the problem with Pete Alonzo is if he doesn't hit another 50 home runs, 
that's what I, that's what I wonder, right? Yeah, he set the bar too high. Yeah, boy, bars bar was set. It's easily cleared. Um, Forty thirty five dollars a PSA ten kind of in that range. You know, that's not a bad price. I'd buy those. Yeah, I uh, follow you and and see what happens. I mean, if he gets hot, that's an easy easy profit. Yep. Especially because he's looking like full season and having a foot, you know, his his feet under him. He's a 40 home run guy, probably a 50 home run guy. I agree with you. I agree with you. He's going to put up numbers. Yeah. Um. So moving on, I want to just lastly, I want to cover, you know, we talked a lot about um, your restaurant and we talked about Corona and the effects on your restaurant. Uh, now, I don't know if there are any, and I really didn't give you enough time to prepare for this. That was my fault. Mm-hmm. I forgot to text you yesterday. I got busy. I meant to, and I meant to, and I meant to, and I texted you this morning, like two hours before we... Uh, I, I like being put on the spot anyway, so no worries. Um, so you obviously have a lot of experience, uh, you know, creativity-wise, coming up with dishes in the kitchen and coming up, you know, opening up your own restaurant and managing people in your restaurant um, dealing with everything that comes with it, um, dealing with having cooked under people before in fancy restaurants in Milwaukee. Um, are there any experiences in your life in, in the kitchen specifically, or as a restaurant owner that you can kind of connect to the hobby, um, for people to learn a little bit, I don't know, a lesson that they could take home from, uh, any similarities. Now, I don't know if there are any, so you can say, oh, I can't think of any. That's fine. But I, I think, honestly, if, it, if, if I would put a similarity to it, uh, whether or not, for better or worse, it would, it would like harpen back to our conversation. Um, just with the risk element. Um, I, don't, I don't like using the word gambling in cards either. But like to the gambling element of it, whereas it's we're, we're taking a risk you know you're taking an investment you're trying to you know, you're trying to build something with a, a projected value that's better than the current um so i think i think like like any kind of investment that is a similarity right there where you're you're trying to you're, you know you're you're trying to um sustain long-term growth and I, I think that's important with baseball cards whether or not we're we're collecting to make money or we're collecting to um to 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 fund our pc um i think that's that's what's important is that um you know you just kind of keep that in mind like there is an element of risk to it um you know i think yeah just to keep that in mind is an important part yeah so element of risk in collecting but you're looking at long-term growth and element of risk in opening up your own restaurant but you're also looking for long-term growth which you have had so far you've been open for two and a half years three years yep and uh is a very successful restaurant in milwaukee which you know that's a big risk leaving your uh head chef position at a restaurant to a nice restaurant uh also yeah open up your own place that's a big risk one one that you took and seems to have worked well, uh, uh, you know, coronavirus, uh, we'll see. Yeah. Coronavirus side. Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Before this point, it worked well. And so the same thing can be applied to cards where, you know, there is a risk. Sometimes it's a leap of faith. Uh, yep. 
where you're not a hundred percent sure. Maybe you just really like a guy that nobody else likes. You yep. buy in because you just have this gut feeling and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but there is risk there. Exactly. Agree. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Be smart about your investment. And you know, like you, you can't put all your eggs in, in one basket. Like, you know, don't spend every dollar you have on a Kuna tens, you know, buy some Louisa Raz or something like that. Or, you know, like don't, you know, if, if we weren't able to pivot in tough times like this, um, we wouldn't still be pulping, you know, and there's going to need to be continued change. And, you know, we're going to need to invest, you know, in different areas. And I think just like baseball cards, like if you're looking at a PC or you're looking at it as a, an investment, like don't put all your eggs in one basket, you know, stay creative and stay flexible with your ideas and um, be prepared to make some moves, really. Yeah. Now we were Miles. We were going to talk about your personal collection here a little bit, but yeah. if you yeah. want, we can save it for when we meet up at your restaurant and do a video, and then we can, you know, you can show off some of your stuff while I mean, talking over burgers, I'll, or you can talk about it now. It's up yeah, to you. Let, let me. I'll talk a little bit. I'll talk briefly about it, and then we'll save. We'll save the hitters uh, for when I can show them off. Okay. Um, but like. You know, currently my, like my PC, the things I love collecting, you know, not necessarily aren't the oddball cards, but you know, you know, I'm like I said, I'm looking at my PSA order and I got like Adley Refractor Auto, Matthew Lugo Black, uh, Anthony Prado 101, Lugo Gold. Like I got sweet ass cards and like those are cool, but I'm going to sell these cards to get most likely more White Sox cards and, and or PC. So like, I love collecting White Sox. I love all White Sox cards. Um, I want I want Eloy Bowman first autos and I want um you know a Tim Anderson fifth year card. Like it doesn't matter. Like I just I want I want all White Sox cards. Um I'm looking at my James Beer from there's draft rainbow, which I'm just super pumped about. Uh I probably have three complete sets of the rainbow, including the <laughs> sapphire, including the sapphires. And I just found the black one one online the other day. So like um like my rainbow is just going to be gorgeous. I'm going to need to be one of those guys who like puts it on a wall or something like this. Are you just... going to get the uh, pad per Dasha? Uh, I, I haven't, I haven't seen that one yet. And if it's out there, yes. And I'm going to make a plea on this pack podcast is that I got the Anthony Prado one-on-one and that is going to anybody who's got any James Beard cards uh, out of this year's draft. Um, but yeah, I want that. I want that. I'm, I'm not even going to say the word, but I want that. Uh, that Sapphire 101. Um, but I got the other thing I like too. I, I got, I'm looking at a bunch of Mike Bossy cards from the Islanders. Like, I don't collect a lot of hockey, even though I know, I know a lot of people are all about that hockey. And I'm sure you see some cool stuff tracking that online because I know those rookies sell for big money. Yeah, um, the young guns for sure. Yeah, exactly. The young guns are big money. But I got some Mike Bossy, some, some Mike Bossy rookies, uh, a couple that are good enough to send a PSA, I think, which is going to be interesting uh experiment to set send some old cards in um and then some sweet upper deck autos um yeah definitely white Sox. i got a weird don nelson thing where i like don nelson i don't even know why uh like don nelson coach autograph cards and uh <laughs> um and then like i said i'm a bulls fan so i got some kobe whites and um yeah basically some kobe whites that's the only thing worth getting from the bulls right now oh, yeah in my, in my opinion i don't know, i like 
out of it's a bad time to be a Bulls fan uh, in terms of uh, Bulls fandom. Though outside of the Michael Jordan years, has there ever been a good time to be a Bulls fan? I mean, Michael Jordan years. I mean, Michael Jordan years. I was born in 1984. As soon as I can remember, Jordan was a beast, and we got six championships out of it. So, like, your comment is taken but as a bulls fan it doesn't matter you got nothing you got you know you got you got got nothing on it um so like um i don't know that said i am super pumped up to see that espn documentary on sunday and i don't know if uh i don't know if they're dropping like all all the parts at one or they're going to show it like a week at a time but um that that jordan documentary that bulls it's supposed to be or as i know they're supposed to be doing uh part by part okay jordan came out and was like which is weird because jordan doesn't pr himself ever and he was out saying like you're not gonna like me for what you see in this video and stuff and like he was trying to explain his actions and to hear about something like that 25 years later it's it's interesting it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be it's gonna be uh i'm very excited there is a whole generation of basketball fans who don't know jordan was a killer like a killer and it's gonna be crazy it's just gonna be crazy to see like all these like i don't know i like zions and i like luca and i like collecting those cards and stuff like that um and it's gonna be cool to see these young people get an opportunity to understand like jordan was a beast and that type of competition and that type of the way they played back then i don't know if that will ever exist in the nba ever again and i'm not one of these people who are like the game is different like i i think change is good um yep. and i think i think what the game has become is better um but like they hated each other back then they 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 said that i'm trying to think who said it i think it was like jerry reinsdorf or something but they were like in 91 the bulls won two championships beating the pistons and then the championship because they just <laughs> they hated like they wanted like physical pain on other teams back then. And I just don't think that type of rivalry and that type of sport, I don't think will exist the way it did back then. So I, I'm excited to, I'm excited to not only like relive that at an older age, but like just to be able to, you know, turn people on to like what was the most epic time in fandom uh, to be a sports fan. Like the, the only thing I can relate it to is like, you know, if you were like a Lakers fan in the seventies or like, you know, you were, you were a Brady's fan now or something like that. Like to be able to be a fan through a dynasty, like Mm -hmm. I'm spoiled. Yeah. I, uh, well, I will never be able to imagine that because uh, the Packers have two two hall of fame quarterbacks back to back spanning the length of um, what will presumably be 30 plus years. Are you a, you're a Packers fan? Yeah. And yeah, see, we yeah, got I'm two a, Super Bowls a, out of it. Yep. Um, the Brewers have been to one World Series. Uh, did not win. Uh, two years before you were born. Well before yeah. I was born. Uh, you know, and the Bucks have one championship in 1971, like two years after they formed, three years after they formed. So, and, haven't, and we're, we're on our way to potentially getting one this year, and then it was I ripped know. away from us. What a terrible 
What what a terrible situation for Bucks fans this year. Like I feel for you guys. Ugh, like I, in the world. I feel like you you know, you're like you're talking about having like, you know, one of the best records ever in the NBA and then your season is over. Like what a terrible thing. And as a Bulls fan, we got a new VP of uh basketball operations. So like yeah, I'm uh, Yeah, I'm I'm pretty pumped about that. Um you know, whether or not that changes the Bulls like basketball hell they've been in for the last 20 years i don't know um Gotta but do something. it's a step in a direction that they've never taken before so whatever yep I- i'm open to it and kobe white's a beast even though like now i think if any if there's ever a time to trade him it would be now that's the other piece of that puzzle <laughs> so i don't know i mean you know kobe's interesting wendell carter's interesting laurie markman's interesting Otto porter's interesting yeah, I know. That's the problem with that it's team. Just, how did that's that fit the pro- That's the problem with that team. Like every player is like, yeah, he could be a number two or a three. Like yep. that's that that that's like their starting five. You could say that about every player. You're like, oh, we just put Wendell Carter on a good team. Like you know, he could be a dominant center or something. You know, and like, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. Basketball, but- basketball, hell. I, I'll say that. Like, and then <laughs> just. Just to fully cover my sports fandom, too. You were talking about you being a Packers fan and having 30 years of quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm a Bears fan. Like, I legit stopped watching football probably four years ago. Like, legit stopped watching football. Because, like, I can't, I can't continue losing like that. And just when there's only 16 games and, like, you know, you lose You're 10 of them. Like, that's just not – that's not a good feeling. Like, I can be a White Sox fan and, like, they can lose 90 games because they won 70, right? Like, I got 70 victories out of that season. But, like yeah, – nice. Yeah, exactly. Like – And baseball – baseball is one of those things where every spring training – you know, spring training comes around, start of the season comes around, and it doesn't matter who you're a fan of. You're hopeful because, yes. you know, a couple guys – a couple guys come out of nowhere and have career years and you go from a fringe team or a non-playoff team to a fringe playoff team to a playoff team. Yep. And um, I know, I know football it, can, football can turn around like that too, but apparently not if you're, uh, you know, in the NF, NFC, NFC central or whatever the heck North is like the NFC North. Like, yeah, apparently not. Well, if not you're if you have division. Mitchell Trubisky as your quarterback. I mean, you could name every single quarterback the Bears had for the last 30 years and insert name there. Max Grossman is my quarterback. I mean, Kyle Orton is your quarterback. Kyle Orton is my quarterback. Kate McNown is your quarterback. We're not – yeah, we could get – we could go deep on this, but, like, that's probably another podcast for somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. Freaking washed Uh, up I don't think anybody – I think I don't think anybody would want to listen to a podcast on Bears quarterbacks. That'd just be depressing. My my, my Xbox Live gamer tag, I used to – I used to only choose washed up Bears running backs to play on Xbox Live. So like my Xbox Live gamer tags were like like Curtis Enos and like I don't know whoever those other scrubs were from like the late nineties, early two thousands. Uh I don't even I can't even name them anymore. But like yeah, that was my move is like my gamer tag on Xbox Live were all washed up Bears running backs. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah, there's exactly. Been a, there's been a quite a few washed up players on the Bears, that's for sure. You know, if you think if you think about it and you think about the ba- the best Bears running back in the last 30 years and you say it was Neil Armstrong, that is the problem with the Bears organization. Like that's terrible. I I don't know. Packers don't have a great any great running backs either, but 
Well, I mean, you know, Dorsey Levins was good. Amon Green was yeah. good. Eddie Lacy I mean, had a few good years there. Um, yeah. you're, you're right. Aaron Jones is, right. is really good. That dude's yeah. incredible. But yeah, I mean, I there was know. there was a while there where the running backs were like Brandon Brandon uh, Jackson, who from yeah. Nebraska was just absolutely trash. Uh, yeah, so I can I can I feel the pain there. I th- I just felt like watching the Packers like it was like every every other game it was like the Packers signed some running back off the practice squad <laughs> or like and then like, this guy playing. was a. This guy was a wide receiver at the beginning of the year. <laughs> like that, yeah, that's, Montgomery. <laughs> yes, that's the Packers running game. Is like, you know, like four stringers and like, you know, D2 wide receivers are where they're running game. But I, I'm just like trying not to, uh, like I said, if I think about the Bears, it gets worse. So I am, uh, I stopped watching football for that reason. I just can't take, I can't take the pain. Well, you, I'm, you have the Blackhawks, I assume. I mean, that was another dynasty I got to live through, too. So, like, um, while they definitely should have got more titles and it, see, it sucks seeing them play so terrible right now, um, you know, listening to the Stanley Cup Finals games, I put right up there with, like, my best sports memory. Like, I, I listened to the Mark Burley Perfect Grit game on the radio, and that was, like, mm-hmm. that was one of my all-time sports viewing memories. Um, and Blackhawks playoff games were right up there in terms of just, like, unbelievable excitement hmm. i can only but that imagine. but that mark pearly perfect game is the best that's the best sports media i've ever consumed in my entire life better than like any playoff game i've ever gone to or like any cool you know front row seats or something like that like listening to mark burley's perfect game on the radio is my all-time sports media i i i wish i knew the brewers also it, only have one uh yeah no hitter and it was Carlos Zambrano in your, yeah, and Carlos Zambrano and Carlos Zambrano against yeah. the Astros. Yes. Yeah, I think so, Indians. right? I remember those. T- I remember the tickets to that game. I was living in Milwaukee when it down. They were like it was five bucks or ten bucks. I don't remember, but like a bunch of us were like, let's go see a Cubs game at Miller Park. And I never went, but I was kicking myself afterwards oh. uh, because it was a no-no, and it was Zambrano in his heyday. Yeah, the Zambrano, one of those guys that was really really good and then all of a sudden hit 30 got injured he's, and was bad he still pitches professionally or had been as of springtime of this year he he was playing for he was playing for one of those independent baseball leagues i believe it some of those guys one of those like, you know if you yeah. have made millions of dollars and you just can't give it up why not rumor i mean i would do it i would do that right like in a heartbeat you know if i you know, I, hopefully when I'm like 60 years old and like, you know, an old retired cook or something like that, I just like work at a diner, like slinging eggs or something. Like, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I get, I get that. Like I get where Zimbrano could be like 45 and be like, whatever. I can still hit 88 on the radar gun. Right. Like, um, you know, if you want to play, you want to play. Yeah. You just can't give it up and I can't blame him. Him yeah. and him and Ben Sheets, a couple of guys that, Ben Sheets super, still pitches? Super, super, super. No, but super, super mm. good, and we're done well before. Well, I, I remember, yeah, Ben Sheets. I mean, that was a great era in baseball pitcher, right? Like, you you had the Braves, obviously, you know, right around that time. But, like, you had those those Chicago Cubs teams. Kerry Wood, Mark Fryer, like, mm-hmm. that was exciting times. Ted Lilly was another player I liked on the Cubs back then. Uh, 
Yeah, that, that, that was an era. Are you allowed pitching. to admit this as a White Sox fan that you liked Cubs players? I mean, yes and no. Yes and no. Um, so I'm from Illinois, right? So I, I had a, there was a confusing time in my childhood. So like there was, <laughs> I, I was, I had mixed emotions. I was confused as a fan, um, and I don't want to say that like I was rooting for the Cubs, but like they were winning and the White Sox weren't. So it was very easy to pay attention to them um, at sense. that time. So, like, I used to like watching those teams. But, like, I mean, you know what I bought the other day? Like, speaking of uh, trading cards, and he was, in a, uh, he was in a Yankees jersey, unfortunately, but it was, like, the Jack McDowell when he was flipping the bird to all the fans. Mm-hmm. Like, in my memory, in my childhood memory, he was in a White Sox uni when he did that. And uh, apparently my memory, I mean, not apparently, but my memory is incorrect. So I, I'm like, oh, I got to get that. I got to get that image. Uh, turned out he was in a Yankees jersey, but it was still really sweet. It well, was still all you really have to sweet. do is you just Photoshop, a little bit of Photoshop, and you're uh, good to go. It's, uh, it's PSA, so, like, I can't, <sighs> you know, like, that was, that was part of my I, – I wanted, I wanted a PSA because, like, I like on person autos. Like I'm not like for my PC. I don't care if it has a certificate of authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess. So the Jack McDowell, I, did, I didn't mind, but like, I don't know. It was like 25 bucks for PSA or like $15 for like hand signed or something like that. And I was like, whatever, if it's that inexpensive to go certificate, I'll do it all day long. Yep. Can't blame you there. Well, yeah, that's my, that's my PC. I guess it's like, I like the white Sox. I like the random pieces like that. I like, you know, I got some some eight and a half by eleven sign things, but I like I like like nineteen ninety nine, you know, White Sox team card parallels and stuff, and like, you know, that's what I want. I, I want I want like the one of five like tops mini White Sox team card. That's my favorite thing to collect. And the uh, and the Reds, I assume. And the Reds too. Yeah, the Reds are more like I'm happy to have this. I'll never sell it. But the white the White Sox are the ones where I'm like I'm like you know scouring eBay and uh, you know I'll, I'll get into like the player breaks online and you know I'll just try to get as many different White Sox cards as possible. Whereas the Reds, I'm like you know I was like ripping Heritage and I, I like to uh, I like to like open the Heritage to, at the LCS and like get look at their face and try to guess the card. Like that's my favorite game to play when I rip those singles. Uh, it's like I open up the auto, I show the LCS guy, and I'm like, I'm gonna try to guess the card based upon your face. Yeah, you've done uh, that to me a few times. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the last time I was in there doing it, I got the Ahenio Suarez uh, uh, Heritage rookie auto, and I was like, this is the best. Like, I don't even like. I, I'm I, I'm just gonna hate a little bit. Like, I don't even like Heritage, but it's just fun. It's like a fifty dollar lottery ticket, and. Uh, you know, he was making that face like, ah, you know, he's on the Reds. He's a fifth-year player, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm like, oh, God, like, who do I got or something? Or, but once I got to the Reds, I, that was the exciting part. And I was like, anyway, Suarez, that's my PC right there. Like, that is my guy. So, um, yeah, exactly, unless he was a Reds. Reds and White Sox, give me the there cool, was, eclectic cards. There was one time where you did that to me, and by my face, you actually guessed the guy, but I cannot remember. I don't. I I feel was that that was Pudge Rodriguez, right? You were like you were like he's a Hall of Famer, and I was like, oh, insert curse word here, and I was like Pudge Rodriguez or something like that. Like, oh man, yeah, I know that's but that's heritage, right? It's like it's I can get it, you know. It's like all right, NL AL, and then if your if your jaw isn't on the floor, it's probably like 
Pod Rodriguez or like Paul DeJong or like uh, yeah somebody like that. <laughs> every other dude, every other dude in the heritage set. But to that point, heritage is sweet to buy secondary um, because it's it they're inexpensive and it's awesome PC. Like like I said, I got I pulled that Suarez. I bought it a box at at the LCS, but then I went online and I just started sniping Ozzy Gee and Heritage autos. Like it it were so cheap. I I don't think I paid more than like fifteen dollars. And I think the one I paid 15 or $18 was for the one-on-one. Like oh. it was like, I don't, I don't, those kind of cards, like, I don't care if they're reprint. I don't care if they're restamped. Like when it comes to PC, that is a fun, a fun card to get. Yeah. I mean, the only person you have to impress with your own, your personal collection is yourself. Yeah. That's you the like best it, part. You know, it doesn't matter what other people think. I've been, I've been showing my James Beard rainbow off. Like any, anybody who like any, Someone says I'm a White Sox fan. I'm like, let me show you something. Like, so I'm just, I'm just happy to, you know, I'm just happy to show it off. And I want to see other people's PCs too. So like, it, it goes full circle. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I love looking at people collecting the rainbow. The other thing I'm envious of while we're on it, I don't know, we're like getting so long-winded here. But the other thing I'm envious, the dudes who PC the upper deck patches. And like, I don't see those very often anymore, just because I'm, I'm doing so much baseball card training and stuff. But like, the dudes who will like recreate, like, like I saw someone do like like a Sidney Crosby recreated like the Stanley Cup patch or something like that, and he had, guy had like every set out of six, like he had one through six, and like you put them back together, and it was like a jersey size patch or something like that. Oh yeah, that, I, love that. I would love to do that. I would love to do that. And the other other thing I've been thinking a lot about too is like, um, I had a son two years ago, so I want to do the Letterman with his name like that's those are one of those two probably the sun pc because that is you know carries special meaning but mm-hmm. i want to spell i want to spell his name in the letterman um and he's got a short name so i'm thinking i can go you know big ballers on this one but we'll see <laughs> and you know, yeah he's got i'm trying to think uh, doesn't have a Basically, I want like a, a Trout Letterman patch, but he doesn't have a. <laughs> his name's Jack, so I'm dealing with J J A C K. But I, I I gotta get a, you know, maybe I can get M I K E or something like that. I get the I get the A from Mike Trout. This is gonna get expensive. I know, I know, Trout. but it's only four though. So that's what I'm thinking. Like it's not it's not like his name is like like you know like Jonathan or Nathan like yours, where you'd have to spend you know buy like seven or eight cards. Like, I gotta that's buy true. four cards. Like if I can, you know, if I can think about it, I might be able to have a real banging Letterman PC. Well, that's a very that's a very uh, cool idea, and I'm sure he would. In about, if he's two right now, in about eight years, when he can appreciate cards and you get him into yeah. the hobby, I'm sure yep. he. Tell me about. I mean, all right, we can we can hang up anytime because we can talk forever, and I don't know if you had this or not, but I want to know about you know to your point about kids collecting like yeah there's cards kids can rip now but like it ain't the same hobby no it's like, not it isn't it, it, it's not you're like, not walking into the year you used, we used to be able to walk into prices growing up uh when it's back in the mall uh yeah Brewtown is now prices if you didn't know yep um so we used to be able to walk into there when it was in the mall and buy 25 cent packs now they're repacked cards but there was some cool stuff in their packers and they'd have like uh tickets 
uh, and then you could, if you got a ticket, you opened up a thing and you guessed yep. the card and you got it. And I got a Kurt Warner Jersey card that way. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the entire world. I mean, it was like top finest was the most expensive pack back then. It, yeah. You know, it was like, I, I, don't, I don't remember what it was like 12 bucks for a pack of top finest. And then there was like, there was some like Pacific football was like, you know, that was a pack that was like three cards and you know, 20 bucks or something like that. And that was like unheard of at the time. Like it so, was unheard of to have things that expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, you know, back then to today, it's not, it's definitely not the same hobby. And it is it, the one thing that it's kind of sad because like we loved going into the card shop and buying cards. Yes. Nowadays uh, you can't do that as a kid because you know, you're not spending, you, your kid wants basketball cards. You're getting them hoops. Yeah, you can't you can also just go to you can just go to Target or Walmart and buy them hoops there, probably save a little bit of money, maybe even get a little bit more cards than going to your local card shop. No, um, but then you're then you're you know, then that yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. The worst part about that is that you get those guys and you know, anybody can do what they want, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's free world. But you get those guys that go in and see an entire thing of Prism basketball. And yep. they buy out the whole thing. So then, you know, no kid will ever get a chance at something. Like and that. I, I'm not going to lie. I tried. I tried. I mean, I tried a lot to get Prism to do that. Like, I, I didn't want to sell. I want to resale. But I just wanted to get my hands on Prism, you yeah, know, like for, for not secondary market. And, like, I couldn't. I, I, I probably stopped at 30 retail outlets just looking. And I couldn't. But, like a kid wouldn't be able to rip a box of prism anyways anymore. Right. Like, no. you know, he could buy like, well, that's the, that, that's the thing is the only way he'd be able to is if he got a blaster box from target for 20. Yeah. A blaster box or some gravity packs or something like that. Like, but you I can't do that. You can't do that when uh, one guy goes in and buys out the entire stock. Y yes. I know. But I, I yes, you're, you're right. But you're, I don't know. It's like, I got mixed you know, I know that argument and I just, I go back and forth on, on, on how I feel about it because I don't know. Like I couldn't afford the top sinus packs when I was eight years old and yeah. I didn't buy it. You know, they don't, they don't. The other thing is like, they don't need the prism. Hoops is yeah. fine for them. They're not overly no concerned about how much the card is worth. They just care about who's on it. Yeah, no kids opening tops definitive or inception or you know or national treasures or anything like that. Like no, you know that 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 literally has you know more in common to a casino than than it did you know than it did twenty years ago or whatever you know than any anything. But I don't know. It's still just like I said. It's still just as fun. And like whether or not you're like collecting like Cincinnati Red base cards like I am, or you're collecting you know Red Vlads like you still get the same feeling when you open that up out of the pack. Yep. And that feeling will never change no matter yep. what. Yep. Um, Miles, uh, lastly, uh, would like to give you a platform to, you know, say whatever, you know, anything you got coming up or I know it's a weird time, unfortunately. And so we will, we will loop back around me and Miles will get together in his restaurant. When Corona's done, we will open some cards We'll eat a little, some burgers, maybe have a yeah. drink or two, and yep. he will uh, show off his personal collection, and you guys will get to see him. Uh, you'll get to see what a uh, 
excellent chef looks like. Uh, and so we will, we will do that then. But in, if you have anything, you know, coming up or anything you want to tell the people, um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a little platform to stand right on here. I'll plug my place right now. It, it's Birch and Butcher. It's downtown Milwaukee. You know, unfortunately we're doing cater or carry out only right now. Um, but it's still darn good. And when this thing's all over, you know, we party inside. So it's an exciting place. Um, but then I also just, you know, use the opportunity to, you know, plug pl places that I love. And that's like um, local businesses, like we were talking about before. Um, Brewtown Trading in Milwaukee, Wisconsin is great. And they rip online and they sell boxes. And uh, you can like, follow that's them on Facebook I, at Brewtown that, Trading. It, yeah, that's what I've been doing to get my fix. Um, but then, you know, I, I'm big on the I'm big in the Facebook communities for for car groups, anyways. Um, so like Wax Pack Nation and the Bowman Chrome Group, like I, very active, and we're all really active in those groups. So um, while like you don't get to interact in person at the LCS, like you know, it's still fun to to hang out with people and, and rip packs online and and, and uh, you know, I've been doing like pack wars lately because you know you. You like want to open wax, like times are tough and you can't spend as much money as maybe you used to. So like splitting boxes and like you get the left side, I get the right side or, or you know, or doing things like that is a fun way for packs online and, and get that same entertainment. Um, but yeah, like I said, just like trying to stay busy and uh, stay active and at work with my restaurant or, you know, in the Facebook groups online that sort of thing. Sweet. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Well, Miles, thank you uh, for coming on. If you live in Milwaukee and you have not visited the Birch and Butcher, I would suggest it. Um, Miles is a great guy. I'm sure if you were to be like, hey, Miles, uh, I have come here because of your Slab Stocks interview, he'd talk your ear off about cards. I'll tell you what. Yeah, there's, I, I was, yeah, there's like, a, and you come to the restaurant, I've got like my my hidden forever, my eBay address was the restaurant, you know, pre-Corona. I was spending so much time there. So I was just getting all my cards shipped to Corona. Uh, or, God darn, I can't even talk now. <laughs> I was getting all my cards shipped to the restaurant. So, um, you know, I would like hide PC cards throughout the restaurant. <laughs> so, so like, you know, there is like in one corner, there's like a stack of like 2018 heritage. And then in, a, in another corner, there's like, you know, series one, 2019 or something like that. Or like, you know, here is like some reds PC. Or, so there's like always little gems in my restaurant like that too. And if, like I said, if you do come in, um, the other day, I, I'll stop talking at some point. I'm, I'm too long winded. The other day, a friend of mine who's a big Pete Alonzo fan came in to eat and I saw him from a distance. This is pre-corona the other day, obviously. I saw him from a distance. I go, oh my God, it's Vince and he loves Pete Alonzo. So what I did is I, I, you know, like I said, I got random card stash. I had a Pete Alonzo refractor, um, just back there chilling. I don't even know what it was doing, but it was like at my work way too long. I was like, gosh, this probably wasn't important to me because I've been like letting it lay around here. So I snuck it inside his menu. He didn't even know I saw him. He opens up his menu and it was for his anniversary and it says, happy anniversary. Enjoy your Pete Alonzo refractor. So like, I like, <laughs> I like, I like doing things like that. I, I don't know. I like making people's day. So um, whether that's like baseball cards and I'm send, sending extras after a sale or I'm like hooking someone up with an appetizer. Absolutely. Come on and Birch and Butcher and we'll chat about baseball cards. Perfect. Well, Miles, thank you for joining us. I really enjoyed this conversation. I love food. I love uh, baseball. I love cards. So it was, uh, 
it was a really uh, it was a joy for me to get to Nate. talk to you. Yeah, I'm, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I hope I hope everyone else enjoyed it too. So uh, thank you, Miles, and we'll talk to you again next time. Nate, I'll see you soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening to my interview with Miles um, of the Birch and Butcher. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed that conversation. Um, hope you gained at least a little bit of information about something out of it, whether that is the uh, chef community or you know the what coronavirus has done to the community or um, his personal collection, what he's looking into. So hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, before I leave, I just want to mention one more time, and I mentioned in the middle of the podcast, but I'd like to mention one more time, that if you are out there and you're looking for food and you have money to spend, uh, more money than it would take to buy you know, a McDouble at McDonald's or a couple burritos at Taco Bell or a couple tacos at Taco Bell, uh, think about taking that money and spending it on a restaurant like Miles's. He is open from 5 to 8, Birch and Butcher, downtown, North Water Street. He's open 5 to 8, Monday through Sunday, uh, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., only for three hours, only doing suppers. You heard him in the interview. He's doing 30 to 40% of what they were earning regularly now, which is tough to do, tough to pay people, tough to pay your rent, tough to afford your rent for your apartment or your home mortgage or anything like that uh, when you're losing that much money. So if you have you know, excess funds and you have the capability, please so go support your local uh, restaurants, um, go support your local card shops instead of buying that box of cards online, you know, buy it from your local card shop down the road if you can. Uh, your money staying in your community goes a long way and it helps these places stay open when we get out of this coronavirus thing. Uh, because if you like a place like the Birch and Bircher, you're going to want it open when you can go. And the only way that is possible is if you help them out now and get supper provided or you get your boxes of cards provided by your local card shop like Brewtown. So please think about doing that. I thank you all for listening to this podcast, and I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day.